Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, friends, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, feeling a tiny bit better every day. Voice really has not recovered in this thing, which, I don't know, maybe it sounds okay on the podcast, but it took, really, it took until I slept last night to recover from doing the 25-minute show. So today's episode is going to be a little bit on the shorter side with my apologies. I know sometimes I say that and I don't keep my word. I will be keeping my word today. This is Fantasy NBA Today. It's a Sports Ethos presentation. We're talking about the Central Division on today's show. And we're basically just going to launch right in. First things first, though, I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. I am also at Dan Vespers over on Threads. Someone told me they had a following feed over there now. Uh, I'm also... yet. Yeah, so Twitter's X now? I don't know if I need to say that I'm Dan Vespers on X or... Uh, I think the site URL is still the same, so who knows. I'm still Dan Vespers there, and I, as far as I know, everything is is still the same. Um, sports Ethos is sportsethos.com. Make sure to check out the Fantasy Pass. The NBA Fantasy Pass is $6 a month, which did not change season over season, but that will go up next year. And the All Sport Fantasy Pass, which is the newest item at Sports Ethos, because it's now been broken off into, you can get NBA, NFL, MLB Fantasy Passes separately, or you can roll them all together is $7 a month. So only $1 more than the NBA only one. You get all of our sports. That one's going up to $10 a month soon, very soon. I apparently completely biffed exactly when that was going to happen, but it is going to be very, very soon. Um, Seems like August at the absolute latest, because that's when our draft guide stuff always starts flowing. Flowing fast and furious player profiles and stuff like that. But if you get it for $7, you can hold it at $7, for eternity. All you got to do is leave it on. It's going to go up to 10 uh, within the next couple of weeks. So every month forever, you'll save at least $3. And eventually it's going to go up from 10 also. I don't know when exactly. Next year, year after that, whatever. And you'll still have 7 As long as you get it, lock it in now, and leave it on. That's all you got to do. That's at sportsethos.com. Ethos Fantasy BK, Ethos Fantasy FB, Ethos Fantasy BB, the three major sports that have premium content in them right now. Let's dive headlong into the Central Division. We'll start with the Milwaukee Bucks, and all five teams have numbers on the board here because none of them are involved in large trade discussions at the moment. And the Bucks number is 52 and a half, and I went back and forth on this one because the over is very much the public side for a team as good as Milwaukee. Uh, you having to pay an, a hefty premium now on DraftKings to get the 52 and a half over. I think that's up to minus 130 already. So a pretty good size jump. Um, And unfortunately, I am with it at the end of it all. I So here, here are the few things that are pushing me in the opposite direction. Opposite direction number one is that the Bucks don't need to win 53 ball games because they are a team... That has nothing left to prove during the regular season. But I thought that last year, and then they racked up 58 damn wins, and I was reminded of how good they are when Brooke Lopez is healthy and on the court. Also notable, they were that good last year basically without Chris Middleton, who is back in Milwaukee. 
and Jay Crowder's back, and Brooke Lopez is back, and obviously Giannis is still there, and Drew Holiday's still there, and Bobby Portis is still there, and so, like, Javon Carter, I think, was one of the the largest losses for Milwaukee, but all the big minutes guys are still around. So this number, and the reason that it's likely to be 53.5 by the time you blink at some of the more public books, which again is the direction that we're going here, uh, I just, I can't, I'm going to, it's it's a sucker bet, and I'm taking the sucker bet. And at the end of this coming year, we're going to look back at the Bucks, and they're going to have won exactly 52 ball games, and we're going to go, oh, that's why. Because, I don't know, Giannis will, maybe this is the year Giannis misses, like, a month and a half or two months with an injury instead of a couple of weeks. Yeah, all of that is very possible. Here's the thing, though. I, I believe, like, Giannis missed 19 games this year, and they still won 58. It's not like they won all 58 of the games that he played in. They win games when he's out, especially if Middleton plays more than 33 of them. They can do it with or without every single of their key guys. Brooke Lopez was, like, kind of the only really healthy guy on the Bucks this last year. Their main dudes missed plenty of time, and they still won 58 ball games. So as public as it is, we're going to go public on Milwaukee. I'm going to regret this one until the end of time, fully aware of that. Uh, but again, it's not a team that I'm actually betting on. Remember yesterday we talked about how like the Hornets was one that was jumping out at me as having some wiggle room? This is not one. I never... We're, we're doing our exercise here, which I don't feel like I need to explain again, but I guess I can. We're picking all 30 teams during this exercise on Fantasy NBA Today, but not all 30 teams are actual wagers. I try to highlight the ones that I like more as we're going through. We'll probably do an episode at the end here where we go back and, and just discuss the ones that were kind of the favorites. This is not one of those, but again, if I'm looking at either side of it, I'm going over. I don't like how many overs I've been on so far this year, by the way. I think that on the whole, uh, there are too many. I guess in the other divisions, we were relatively even. In fact, looking at the West, I think I had more unders than overs in the West. I just feel like we have more overs in the East so far. Maybe that's what it's coming down to. I need the Eastern Conference to hit their marks. Because yesterday we had the Hawks... The Hornets, the Wizards all over in the Southeast. And today we go from a Bucks over to a Bulls over, which is another one that I think might be a little bit of a sucker play. But I don't think this one's quite as obvious a, a public decision as the Bucks won. Because the Bulls were not good last year. Chicago won 40 games. They lost 42 um, they won one of their two play-in opportunities and then uh, almost won the second one. Miami came back, beat them, and that's then Miami went on their, their crazy run. And there are a lot of problems with the Chicago, with expecting Chicago to win any basketball games this year, most notably the fact that Lonzo's expected to miss another entire season. And so the Bulls are really kind of staring down the barrel of stagnation syndrome, which was only briefly broken up this last year by Patrick Beverly coming in and kind of trash-talking his team to a few extra defensive intensity possessions and a couple of wins. The Bulls were also incredibly healthy this year, 
on their way to a 40-42 and 42 record. But I think the number is actually pretty good. It's not set at 40 again. It's set at 37-and-a-half. So they could even be a little bit less healthy and still get to that mark. And also, by the way, if you're just looking at how the Bulls played this year, they were a little bit unlucky to only be 40-and-42 because they had a point differential, a positive point differential of better than what you got out of Miami, Atlanta, and Brooklyn at the end of the year. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Defensively, the Bulls were decent. Held teams to 111.8 points. Some of it was because their pace was relatively low. But they were a plus 1.3, which Toronto was plus 1.5 at 41 and 41. But, like, Miami was a minus. They had a negative scoring differential on the year, and they were six games over 500. They were worse than it actually appeared. And if you look at the Western Conference, the teams that had a positive point differential of 1.3 or that range were the teams that were basically in that same ballpark, like between... Oklahoma City was 40 and 42, all the way up to like the Clippers at 44 and 38, just like the East. So the Bulls kind of had about the worst possible outcome with the way they played this year. So to that end, you say, all right, play the same way again. You probably have more wins. Here's the issue. DeMar DeRozan is on an expiring contract. The Bulls are staring right down the barrel of full stagnation on a team that they know isn't about to make a championship run. They're not just magically going to get better with... Who the hell did they get this offseason? They got... Uh, was that son of a gun on uh, on the, the Suns this last year? It doesn't matter. They didn't get anybody of real consequence. Resigned Kobe White, gave him a little bit of money to stick around. Like, they, they did all the little things. They re-signed Nikola Vucevic, who's been very a pillar of health and a solid interior play and, and a guy that can space the floor a little bit at the big spot. But, like, the team is built around the same three hubs, which didn't really work without Lonzo Ball as the fourth in that thing. Maybe Lonzo you should call the hub, and then these three scorers are more the, the spokes of the wheel. So I am very much torn on the Bulls. 37.5 felt like kind of a low number, though. I feel like even if their health isn't as good this season, the way that this one gets obliterated is if the Bulls get off to a poor start and they trade DeMar early. They need DeMar DeRozan to last at least until the trade deadline. And we've seen here over the last couple of seasons that the Bulls are fairly reticent to sell 
even when it is just smacking them right in the grill. And I'm inclined to believe that they continue that, although this is... Yeah, I mean, I hate both of the wagers that I've suggested so far, and it's why it's why this is just an exercise. Um, I can make just as good a case to take the under on either of these last two teams, or maybe a better case to take the under on the Bulls, thinking that they have worse health and or blow it up. But if they don't, which, again, we've seen a stubbornness from Chicago on that angle, then they probably cruise to somewhere in that same general zone. I reserve the right to go back and change that Chicago play to an under. I just, I don't know, man. It's hard to say whether this team is going to blow it up midseason. That's, that's, what this, that's what this wager comes down to. Do we think the Bulls start a teardown this year? They probably should. So should I change this one to an under midstream and assume that the Bulls do what's actually right for them? But it's hard to know because they just re-signed Nikola Vucevic. They've got Levine on this long contract. They can't be awful, can they? Ugh. We'll leave it with the over because that's what we were talking about, but I could really go either way on this one. Uh, Cavaliers, I'm going against the uh, consensus on this. I like the under on the Cavs, and honestly, at this point, you should wait because uh, the Cavs are being bet up by everybody that I can see right now. They're actually a minus 140 on the 49 and a half over at DraftKings. So that one's like any day now from flipping to 50 and a half. That's about as far as it goes on actual price before they just change the number. And uh, to me, there are a couple things at play here with Cleveland as well. Uh, the largest thing is that I just don't believe Donovan Mitchell can be that good again. And maybe that's not fair. Maybe Donovan Mitchell is now closer to a 50-87 splits guy. But he was incredible. He carried them for many games this year because Darius Garland took a little bit of a step back. He was still good, uh, but he did kind of cede control of the team. And Evan Mobley continues to get better year over year, and Jared Allen is still a very solid interior play. Karis LeVert is back. Uh, they brought in some shooting in Max Struess. Um... I know I'm forgetting another outside shooter for Cleveland. You guys have to pardon me here. I've got a little bit of a case of COVID brain. Um, so, by and large, the moves the Cavs made were overpriced, but smart, because they needed more floor spacing, and they should overall be a slightly better ball club. But I also look at this team, and the thing that jumps out at me is that I just I felt like they sort of got away with a little bit. You know, they picked on the Central Division, which Indiana's going to be better this coming season. Detroit's going to be better this coming season. Uh, Milwaukee was already good, and they will continue to be good. And the Cavs are just like a very, very solid defensive team from day one until the, the final buzzer. But it's starting to feel like that club that now has done the, okay, we've been, we're good enough in the regular season do we really want to play for like 55, 56 wins? Or do we throttle it back a little bit and make sure that we don't get outlasted in a playoff setting? Because that's what we saw this year again with Cleveland, is that they couldn't get over the hump come playoff time. Does that have an impact on the regular season? I think it does. But really, like, 
The Cavs played a, I thought, a terrific season from start to finish, and they ended at 51. And if this number is about to move to 50 and a half, basically what that's saying is they'd have to get back to this mark again next year with everybody having a better scouting report on the way this team is built and really, again, needing that type of performance end-to-end from Donovan Mitchell to get there. And it's not that I don't think Donovan Mitchell is fantastic. He's, a, he's an incredible basketball player. I just don't know if he can repeat quite that level. That unreal pantheon of superstardom. I mean, he was one of the best players in the NBA this past season. And I don't know. So I lean the other way on Cleveland. I, I think that they've taken their steps forward. Uh, I think that you're now sort of ripe to see them level off a little bit and a couple extra losses that I don't think really put them in any jeopardy of falling back towards the play-in group. You know, they're the four seed, another loss or two, they would have actually stayed the four seed this last year. And I don't know that there's any teams in the East that are about to climb up into that group with Cleveland, frankly. They were the end of the upper four, if you want to call it that, or they were kind of in their own weird little pocket, and they still played well down the stretch for reasons that really are not all that necessary or clear. So I have the under with the Cavs. It's a ballsy play, I'll admit that, especially since you're getting uh, positive, you're getting dog odds on them right now. But that's the way I feel, damn it, and so that's where we're going to roll. My other under in the Central Division is the Detroit Pistons, and I, I this is a hard one, actually, uh, because there's so much going on with Detroit. The under is also the, uh, the dog, the plus money side on DraftKings, so it's, it's not getting a whole lot of cash right now. It's not that close to actually flipping to a different number. The number is 27.5 as we speak. And so here's my thing with Detroit. And we talked about this. Ah, what team were we talking about this on just the other day? Now I can't remember. I got COVID brain, baby. Um, it was Orlando, maybe. Uh, somebody we were playing an under. San Antonio, possibly. I think it might have been San Antonio. Or Orlando. Or it might have even been Houston. But it's that same phenomenon where I feel like this is a team... That, to me, is one season away. They brought in the better coach and coaching staff. They had another good draft uh, with one of the Thompsons. They've stockpiled solid youngsters. Cade Cunningham is good. Thompson, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran. They just re-signed Isaiah Stewart to a longer-term deal who's fine, but not spectacular. Killian Hayes may or may not be part of the team's future, and then you've got the whole, like, Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman collecting throwaway bigs from other teams stuff. But here's where I think the Pistons fall short. They got a lot of good young talent, but not one of those guys has really shown the ability to push an NBA team to wins yet. Could they? Could Cade be? Yeah, he could. Could Jaden Ivey push towards that direction this year? He could. Is Jalen Durant? No, I mean, at the big man spot, unless you're like a, an offensive force, it's going to be hard to, to at, at that age and with that team around him, it's hard to say that he's going to be a guy that, that pushes them towards more wins. 
What I think this team continues to lack is that guy or guys, which in the NBA is usually more of a veteran bucket-getting presence or a leadership presence that's just not really there. You know, it's not going to be... Detroit is still, when you look at the roster, they're still in that world of we have awesome young players and our veterans are just a crap ton of like one-year guys, one-year contracts or second year of a two-year contract guys that are minute eaters. Sometimes not even that. Sometimes just ship steadiers. We got Alec Burks in case a couple guys get hurt. We got Monte Morris in case a couple guys get hurt. We got Joe Harris to space the floor when we get sick and tired of not having any shooting out there. We got Boyan Bogdanovich, who's like the closest thing that this team has to a veteran scoring guy. But he doesn't know how to pass or defend. I think the Pistons are going to be better this year. Simply based on the notion that they're not going to be trying to lose from the day Cade Cunningham goes down. Pistons were atrocious this season. They won 17 games and lost 65. But there's no Victor Wembanyama, so, and they're not going to go for that top pick again because they've done this enough times, and they haven't had the greatest luck in the draft, but they did get Cade mixed in there. And at the end of it all, they're going to look at themselves. They spend a bunch of money again on coaching staff and say, all right, it's time for us to start to try to put some of the pieces together. But an 11-win jump just based exclusively on trying a little harder is asking a lot. Charlotte was at 27 wins this year. That's a team that actually has a bunch of NBA-level guys. And they struggled their way to 27 wins. It's hard. Portland had Dame for most of the year. They got to 33. Houston-San Antonio were 22 Detroit 17. The teams that got above 27 wins this year, and Charlotte only got to 27. They didn't even get to 28. Orlando, which, I mean, they've got like 16 good young players. Some of whom, by the way, have shown on a world stage that they can actually go get a bucket and kind of help carry a team a little bit. Indiana, superstar talent mixed in there. You need that guy. And so, and and this would be the perfect scenario for me. If the Pistons stay under this season the way that I'm thinking, hoping, whatever, it's not hope, it's only hope if you actually put some money on it, but thinking that they do, that likely creates value on an over next year. It's like a two-year plan. And if you didn't want to bet this one, that'd be totally fine. If you just want to watch Detroit, and if they do get to like, I've got them around 25-26, so I don't have them hitting this mark. They get to like 25-26 wins, and next year's win total stays at around 27.5, and and they go out and they get some veterans to go, like the the veterans that actually matter, to really uh, drop in and actually fit. The veterans the Pistons have right now are not really in there to fit around the young guys. Those are just the dudes that were there. It's not like what some of these other younger teams have done Go get a guy that is fitting an, an actual need. Detroit's been in this mode for a few years. If they're just getting guys they think they can get on bargain and go trade for some second-rounders at the deadline. And sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't. <laughs> sometimes they can't get rid of the dudes that they signed. I don't think they've exited that world yet. I think they'll be better by probably seven or eight wins. But 11 is a couple too many for me. And so I lean to the under on the Pistons.
And finally, the Pacers, uh, who have a pretty high number of 37 and a half, but I like the over again. So again, I got three out of five overs in this one. My my Eastern plays are all really over-heavy so far, after the West was a little more under-heavy. Pacers I like a lot. This is a this is a play that I will consider making on my own. I don't know if I'd say I'm quite as confident in it as, a, as maybe the, the Charlotte one, but there's a lot to like about Indiana this coming season. Number one, the Pacers will not be tanking this coming year after they did so late this season. I want to remind you all, the Pacers went 3-7 and seven down the stretch. They were 32-40 and 40 with 10 games to go. They had already passed their mark. But thinking about that from this perspective, they would only have to win six of their final 10 games in a similar spot to get to the mark. If you're like, Dan, that doesn't move the needle for me. I'd be like, okay, that's fair. That wasn't that needle-moving of a state sentiment. How about this one? Miles Turner played 62 games. Tyrese Halliburton played 56 games this year. By the way, if you want to go to Tyrese Halliburton's game log, I invite you to do so. I'm not going to go through all 56 games right now and tell you how they were going, but I will tell you the team was not a 12-game under 500 ball club. They weren't a 42.5% win clip when Halliburton was on the floor. Not even close. He did play like two games during tank mode for them, by the way. They lost him. It was in Boston and in Atlanta on a back-to-back. I don't know why the hell they did it. But the Pacers were Pacers were basically like a 500 team when Halliburton was out there and healthy. And then he missed, what was that? It was mid-January to like early February. That was the first one. Yeah, January 11th. And then he was off until February 2nd, had that first injury. And the team went something like 2-11 and 11 during that span. You guys can go back and check it out. They were, they were brutal without him. Absolutely brutal. Guess what? He's not getting free time off this year. No PTO for Tyrese this season. They're going for it. Miles Turner, he'll be going for it. Benedict Matherin, a year better. He fits, by the way, around what they're doing on that club. Because they didn't need someone to run the team. They need someone to go get buckets. He'll go get some buckets. They brought in Bruce Brown. It's a good signing. They overpaid, but it's a good signing for them. That's going to make them better because he just fits every. But look, at the end of the day, if this team had tried from start to finish, they won 35 games this last year. They'd only need three more this season. You don't think Halliburton, if they he plays in a few of those 26 games he missed, you don't think that tips him by three? I think the Pacers have a real chance to be a 500 team this season, and the Indiana Pacers over is one of my preferred plays on the board. I'm going to tweet at Red Bauer after this podcast goes out, our uh, in-house dynasty expert, but also a Pacers expert. They, there's a, a lot. It's an era of good vibes in Indiana right now. Bruce Brown, Miles Turner, they still got Buddy Heald, by the way. He was a trade ship, but they could also just keep him because he's a hell of a shooter. Still got McConnell to back things up. They picked up Toppin. I actually, that was a nice move. Jarris Walker, who he might get in there from time to time, but they're kind of trying to address inconsistencies at the forward spots. It's a team making moves for the right spots on the floor. 
They have a lot of interchangeable pieces. When one guy's bad, they'll bring in another one to fill in the holes. But Tyrese Halliburton is a is a superstar in the making, and he alone can get this team around this number, give him any kind of help this season, and the Pacers go over the mark. I like this one. Footnote it. Earmark it. Indiana. Easily the favorite play we talked about on today's show in the Central Division. No problem. I want to take a moment here before we wrap things up to remind you guys of our partners at calderalab.com. Get yourself looking good for the summertime with our buddies at Caldera Lab. We've talked a lot about first impressions. What about second impressions, third impressions? What if you are someone like me who has spent the last five days locked in his home with COVID? You're probably not looking so great. This is the perfect time to use the Caldera Lab regimen to make yourself look presentable to the outside world. Heaven forbid. It's like two, two and a half minutes in the morning and at night to deal with fine lines, dark circles under your eyes, puffiness, signs of aging as a whole, and it's for men. Men's skincare. That's like, that's just not a thing. Do you remember when, oh, who was it? It was one of the, it was one of the like big box skincare companies came out with the, the XL or like the, the XT model, which was their quote unquote men's lotion. And that was it. They felt like they could just like slap a letter on an existing formula and call it the men's version. Screw that! Get something that's actually formulated for men's skin at calderalab.com. Use promo code ETHOS, get 20% off at calderalab.com, or you can go to the special URL, calderalab.com slash ethos, to unlock your youthful glow and be ready for summer with Caldera Lab at hashtag Team Caldera. It's C-A-L-D-E-R-A. LAB.com, promo code once again, ethos, E-T-H-O-S, to get 20% off on your order. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll continue to heal up the old vocal cords. We'll be back with you tomorrow, probably wrap up the Atlantic, and then hopefully at some point later this week, uh, when we are all freed from this, this prison cell here, we'll get Fiddle and Cork on the pod to break down some of their favorites as well. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. So long for now.